Yes, sir. All right. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 1 and verse number 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 22. The divine text says, For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Companion passage, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, it says, For I determine not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. Father, bless this holy word now and give me unction to preach it. In thy name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. The Apostle Paul, of course, the Apostle to the Gentiles, the church at Corinth was certainly a Gentile church, making up the Gentile bride of Christ. The Apostle Paul was a theologian in the first order, if you'd like to use that term. I don't use it very much because of uh, some of the implications but he certainly knew what he was talking about. In plainer words, he said to the church at Corinth, I could be preaching the second coming, I could be preaching about healing, I could be preaching about uh, polity, church polity, and all the rest of things. And these all certainly have their place, no question about that. But obviously, he was burdened to preach Christ and him crucified to these people. There's a reason for that. He was burdened for the ministry for the church at Corinth. And plainer words, he preached Christ. The Lord Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That has a dual application, lifted up at the cross at Calvary. He was crucified, hung between two thieves, suspended between heaven and earth. But also the preaching of the cross of Christ is lifting him up. Men need to hear about Christ. They don't need to hear about me. What can I do for you? They don't need to hear about the church. Look what a mess it's in. They don't need to hear anything about religion or, you know, people of faith. That's a very obscure term. What do they really need to hear? They need to hear Christ and him crucified and preach the word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is definitely the subject of the Bible, all 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New. The burden of the Bible is Christ. He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and there are they that testify of me. It is to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. If a man indeed studies the Bible, reads from Genesis to Revelation, and doesn't come out with an overwhelming sense of Christ, then I don't know what you're reading, because the Holy Spirit will lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to preach him this morning by the grace of God. Try my dead level best to preach the only one who really matters, and that is this, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is a warrior. He's a healer, savior, companion, and teacher. He's a warrior in the sense that the battle was spiritual and he fought it. You go home and read the book of Hebrews chapter 5 and you'll find the Spirit of God takes you into the depths of what's going on with that battle that raged between heaven and hell when the Lord Jesus went to the cross. He's a healer. The Bible said by his straps we were healed. Now he bled at Calvary. He bled at Gethsemane. But he also bled when Pilate ripped his back open with that cat of nine tails. And the scripture says that by his stripes we were healed. So there must be something different about that. That's something to think about. He's the Savior. At the cross at Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who is this man that can forgive sins? He's God. That's who he is. 
And then he's the companion. For 33 and a half years he lived this earth for three and a half or so. He walked with these disciples and they walked by his side. They lived with him and they listened to his teaching. The apostle John says that our hands have handled of the word of life. He was very close to him and therefore he was a companion. The Old Testament angel of the Lord appeared to them but he also uh, left them. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, now I have been with you. It's needful that I go away. If I go not away, the comforter will not come. And so when the Lord Jesus left here, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came after the resurrection and ascension of Christ in a way that he had never come before. The Holy Spirit is in this world today in a way that he never was before. And if you've ever met the Lord Jesus Christ, you know the Holy Spirit without question. But I'm going to dwell upon the fact today that he's the teacher. The Lord Jesus says, Moses wrote of me in John chapter number 8 and verse 56. John chapter 5 verse 46 in Matthew 22. He said, Moses wrote of me. Now Moses wrote the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is why he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. The Lord Jesus Christ gave them a puzzle one day. He said, I'm David's son, but I'm also David's Lord. Go figure that one. Well, that has to do with his identity. You see, long before he was ever born, the God-man in Bethlehem of Judea, 2,000 years ago, he was from everlasting to everlasting. He was David's Lord long before he was ever born in this world. Psalm chapter number 110, David called him Lord. Did not Moses give you the law, he said in John 7? Had you believed Moses, you said, he wrote of me, you would have believed me. And then he condemned them for their traditions, the oral traditions that today they run to that form the basis of their Talmud. If you don't know what that Talmud is, that's the reason Jews reject Christ, not based on the Bible, based on the Talmud and the Mishnah, which is the product of the oral tradition they claim was given Moses at Mount Sinai, which did not happen, folks. That is a fabrication. To the tempter in Luke chapter number four, he quoted the scriptures. And then he said in Luke chapter number four at Nazareth, when he stood up to read the book of Isaiah, he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Have you noticed the connection the Lord Jesus has with the scriptures? Have you noticed how the word of God was constantly on his lips? Constantly. He refers 20 to 20 Old Testament characters. Think of that. 20 different people in the Old Testament the Lord Jesus Christ referred to. And he quotes 19 books of the Old Testament scriptures. He was versed in the Bible. Why was he versed in it? Because he wrote it, that's why. <laughs> he refers to mention a few to the creation of man, to marriage, to Noah, to Abraham, Lot, and, 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 and Sodom, to the appearing of God to Moses, to manna, ten commandments, the brazen serpent, David's flight to Nob, the glory of Solomon, the queen of Sheba, the wisdom of the widow of Sarepta, Naaman, you do err, he said, in not knowing the scriptures, and the resurrection approaching the cross, he said, the scriptures must be fulfilled. Three
three times our Savior points to the fulfillment of Scripture while he's hanging upon the cross. Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Matthew 53. And then three of his seven utterances on the cross at Calvary were words of Scripture. And the dying breath from his body, his mouth and his soul and his spirit were connected with the word of the living God. It was on his lips. Did he love the scriptures? Yes, he loved the scriptures. Every deed he did, every thought he had, every breath he drew, every miracle he ever performed, everything he did in this world, he did it according to the scriptures. On the day of the resurrection, he quoted scripture, Matthew, in Luke chapter number 24. And then finally in Luke 24, verse 44, and to rise from the dead on the third day, he quotes the scriptures. So the resurrection of Christ on the third day is in the Old Testament scriptures. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. That is a finished fact. He was seen of over 500 brethren after his resurrection. There is no question that Christ arose from the dead. Had he not arisen from the dead, let's go home. We're not playing religious games. This is not another way to heaven. We're not being good moral people. We're not trying to teach you how to live a good clean life in this world. We are presenting Christ to you. Once the Lord Jesus Christ moves into your soul, your life will change. So the apostle said, for the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Have you ever heard the term the crux of the matter? That's a direct reference to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That word has, has, has filtered down into the English language and is used every day. Practically you hear it time and time and time again in a different sense. He was crucified. The book of Galatians sets it forth for us. The apostle Paul in the, in the, in the book of Galatians as he, as he, as I've said to you so many times, he develops the doctrine of the cross and he preaches this he says there's the power of the cross to deliver from sin in Galatians 1 verse number 4 who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us that Greek word deliver us is ex iareo and here's what it means to take to pluck out as Christ said to pluck out your very eye remember that well then he said he might deliver us pluck us out from this present evil world. Now I know one plucking that's coming and that's when he shouts our name and we're gonna leave this world, amen. He's gonna reach down and you're mine and I'm taking you to be with me. But it has to do with the, what we call sanctification. It has to do with what we call separation. If the spirit of God that dwells in you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will separate you by his spirit and by his power from this present evil world. Why? Because the Spirit is your life. The Holy Ghost is your life, folks. He's not just something about you. He is everything there is to be of you if you're born again. And, there, and can two walk together except they be agreed? You can work with a man. You can talk with a man. You can eat with a man. I mean, some of you can even be married to one. But if you are not born of the Spirit of God, both of you, there is a brick wall, there's a line of demarcation, there's a separation that cannot be crossed. And this is probably why a lot of marriages today are foundering. 
is because they are not, both are not married and there's an issue going on and there's a contentious spirit there and it will not change until both are born of the Spirit of God. Now, I'm telling you to leave your spouse. I don't counsel people to get divorced. I counsel you to work your marriage out. If you're married to an unbeliever, work it out. A lot of times you marry unbelievers, my dear Christian friend, and you know you're doing the wrong thing and you're going into it in darkness and you know that and you expect to change that person. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. And as long as one of you are unsaved, there's going to be problems in that marriage. Amen. Amen. That's just the way it's going to be. And this happens. And sometimes both of you are unsaved when you get married. You don't know the Lord. And then one of you gets saved. And then that creates a problem in the marriage. And that happens. So what do you do? You do what the Apostle Paul said to do. Work at it. Pray about it. Help that one. And maybe by the life that you live. Now let me tell you something else too. This, what I'm on, I didn't plan to do this. This rabbit jumped up and I grabbed it. Here we go. I didn't plan to do this. Well, let me tell you something. Quit preaching to your husband or your wife. There's too much preaching going on. A lot of people think the answer to everything is to preach. No, that's not the answer to everything. Sometimes the greatest answer you can, you can show someone is patience, consideration, bathed in love. Let them know you still love them. Let them know that there's love there. Love is a magnet. Love draws people. People respond to love. You have to be a psychopath to literally turn your back on love. Love is one of the most precious things you'll ever find in this world. Have you ever known somebody to, that loved you? Raise your hand. Do you know anybody you love better than yourself? Raise your hand. <laughs> Do you love yours? Don't raise your hand. Are you one of these self-love? Have, have some preacher told you to love yourself? Here's my challenge to you. If that preacher told you to love yourself, here's a simple question, simple challenge. You go find in that Bible where the word of God from Genesis to Revelation ever commands. Get that word? That's the qualifying word. Where does the Bible ever command you to love yourself? Hunt until you live a thousand years and you'll never find it. When the Bible says to love your neighbor as thyself, it's simply saying this is an observation. This is pragmatism. This is the way it is. What man never ever did not love himself, his flesh, and so forth. That's your problem. Your problem is love Christ. The love of Christ constraineth me. And he has his way of placing us where we ought to be. Amen, 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 amen. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And my friend, let me say this with that. I don't care what it is. I don't care how holy it appears. I don't care what it is. Anything compared to our Lord Jesus Christ is deficient. It fails. It never meets his standard. He rises above everything. Nothing is as good as the Son of God. And you can live the best life you can possibly live. You can even give yourself as a sacrifice. And you still fail to rise up to the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived 2,000 years ago a sinless, perfect, obedient life before God. 
that has never been matched. It never can be matched. He established a righteousness that no one can ascend to. And his righteousness is the only righteousness that will allow anybody into the gates of glory. And my, therefore Christ is made unto me righteousness. The apostle says, the power of the cross, of Christ's cross to deliver from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13, this is what Paul called the law. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is every one that hangeth on a tree. This is why some say that the apostle Paul was antinomian. That's just simply a big word which means against the law. Namas is law. Antinomian. They say the apostle Paul was a rogue who preached his own type of freedom of religion. And so he therefore went against the teaching of the word of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, you teach, you he, said, he, told us, he told the Jews, he said, you command the law to be kept, but you don't keep it yourself. He said that to the Jews. He said, you don't do it. And so the apostle Paul wasn't teaching anything different than what the Lord Jesus taught. By the way, do you know anybody who's ever kept the law? No. Nobody can keep the law. They never have kept the law. For the Bible says, in the flesh, by the flesh, by the flesh is the weakness of the law. It is unable to keep the, the moral, righteous demands of the law. Then what do I do, preacher? Throw my hands up. Exactly, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to become totally frustrated. He wants you to come to the end of yourself. He wants you to look at the Ten Commandments and the moral law of God and all of that and say, I just can't do it. And God says, now we can talk. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now we can talk. And that's where Christ did it. And this is what he's talking about. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the law. Does it not say that? Sure it does. So he said he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. The third thing the cross does is to deliver us from the self-life. Notice carefully. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live with the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Nevertheless, yet not I. The less you have of yourself, the more you'll have of Christ. The less you think of yourself, the more you'll think of Christ. The less you go around moping around, feeling sorry for yourself, licking your wounds, pouting. Some folks are good at pouting. You ever notice? Go through all this Mickey Mouse acting. A lot, you know, it amazes me how a lot of, a lot of 50-year-old people act like a five-year-old. That's amazing. How many of you know how, how five-year-olds can act? They don't get their way. Huh? Anybody? Are y'all still listening to me? They don't get their way and they go around pouting and, and you know, pitch a fit. My, grand, my, youngest, <laughs> my youngest granddaughter said to me one time, she said, I didn't get my way, I pitched a fit. <laughs> That's what she told me. I thought to myself, well, she, at least she's honest about it. <laughs> she didn't get what she wanted, so she pitched a fit. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing like reality. Amen. Plug into it. How many of you, when you didn't get your way, pitched a fit? Everybody raise your hand. Good. I'm glad we're all in here together. The power of Christ's cross is to deliver from the world. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I unto the world. It is a separation, folks. Either I love Christ who died on the cross, or I just simply see it as a religious object. That's what most of the world does. Most people won't curse Christ. They don't curse Christ. Uh, most people out there, really, they have generally a warm feeling toward him. Because, I mean, after all, what did he ever do for himself? And what's he ever done to you? The Lord Jesus came into the world and he died on a cross for us, right? And it's a horrible sacrifice that he paid. Horrible, folks. It's unbelievable. But the bottom line is this. 
That cross and my love for the Lord Jesus, the scripture says, the love of Christ constraineth me. That binds me. It binds me up. It, 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 it puts me where I should be. I identify with that. I am his and he is mine. Amen. You ever heard that song? I am his and he is mine. He owns me and I love him with all of my soul. So this is deliver us from the world. The power of Christ crossed in the new birth. Look at the book of Galatians chapter four, verse four. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because your sons, God had sent forth the spirit of his son to your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We have religious privileges. Yes, we do. We do. You, you know, if I, got, if, I got a, if, if I left out of here this afternoon, went to my cell phone, and said, I'd like to talk to President Biden. How long do you think it'd take me to get through? I doubt if I'd ever get through. <laughs> I doubt if I'd ever get through. But if I got on my knees and said, Lord Jesus, I want to talk to you for just a minute. He would take me directly into the presence of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit of God and a union and communion would take place that this world knows nothing about. Why? I'm his son. He cannot disown me. I am his son. I am born of his spirit. His name is written in my heart. I have a place at the table that nobody can take. I am his and he is mine. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I am his son. Hallelujah to God. Well, you say, preacher, you are a son. Well, you can be, you can use indefinite article if you want to. I am his son. Amen. <laughs> I'm his son. <laughs> So, isn't that wonderful to know that you belong to him in such a filial relationship? Patron, God the Father, he's my father, I'm his son. Next time you pray, remember that. The next time Satan comes after you, remember that. The next time you get in a spiritual battle, remember that. The next time you have a need, remember that. Remember that. You are his son. And that's not just using words. When God says something, he means it. You know, empty words are empty words, and they're, they're very depressing and defeating. They are. Empty words fall to the ground. They're just meaningless enough to drivel, you know, tripe. But the word of God, when he says you're his son, then you're his son. And they can't touch a hair on your head without his permission. The power of the cross of Christ in receiving the Spirit, Galatians 3, verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Oh, blessed day. Oh, blessed, blessed, blessed day when the Holy Ghost came into my soul. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. I don't have to persuade, I don't have to convince any of you in this house if the Holy Spirit is in you. You know what I'm talking about. The day he came into my soul, he changed me. 
He put a love in me. He put joy in me. He put faith in me. He lit my life up. He forgave me my sins. He took a burden off of my soul. He wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from that day on, I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You say, well, our church doesn't teach that. Well, forget your church. Just take the Bible, okay? Forget this church. This is a building with people in it. But, you know, brick and stone and, and sheet rock and, and carpet and all that. The church is a spiritual entity. Amen. If you're born again, you're in that church. You're in that body of Christ. Listen, does the Holy Spirit dwell in you? Does he dwell in you? Well, I don't know, preacher. Then I'm not sure. I mean, if you don't know, that if you're not certain, then we got an issue going on here this morning, right? Nobody had to convince me that somebody moved into me. First thing I did, I went back to work. I was a line mechanic and I got saved. Worked at Snyder Motors, a Volkswagen mechanic. And uh, line mechanic simply means that you bring the cars in there and they're, you, you've got a little stall there and you bring your car into your stall and you've got a lift and you've got your toolbox behind you and you work on this car and bring another one in, work on that car. All day long you work on this car, that car, this car, that car. That's a line mechanic. And before I got saved, you know, I just one of the boys. Cracking jokes, you know, same old talk, this, that, you know, same old spirit. I mean, we had a, we had a camaraderie amongst us. We, we, you know, we had the same thing. But boy, that day I came back when I was born again. I started getting eyes looking at me. Uh, they knew even before I said anything, there's something wrong with this guy. And there was a guy in the basement at Snyder Motors. Uh, it had two levels. The basement was the body shop. The body shop. And there was an old boy down there that I just happened to wander down there one day. I forget what I was doing, maybe get a part or something. But I bumped into him. And we started talking. And that old boy knew the Lord. And that's the first thing I did was find somebody to work with that knew the Lord. Amen. And we used to go out and eat lunch together and we talked about the Lord. He was from California. I'll never forget him. Talked about the Lord. Talked about the Lord. Talked about the Lord. He had what I had. We both had the Holy Ghost. And we sought that out. Thanks be unto God. And then finally, the power of Christ's cross and bringing for the Spirit truth. The, truth, the fruit, rather, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us, alone, let us also walk in the Spirit. I need to go see my optometrist. Everything's blurred now. It's time to go. I hate to tell you this, you folks over here, you're going out here and you're working out and you're... You're on your treadmills and you're running the hills and the valleys and riding your bikes and all. That's all good. But one day will come, this old body will start wearing out, boy. Lord have mercy. It'll wear out on you. The fruit of the Spirit. Did you know the Lord Jesus said this? He said, you judge a tree by its works. You judge a tree by the people it runs with. How do you judge a tree? By the fruit it bears. That's exactly right. Not all, not all the babble that comes out of the mouth, you judge it by the fruit it bears, all right? So what happens to people that are in your orbit that are around you? Do they get better? Does it help their faith in Christ? Does it draw them together? Do you have a spirit of camaraderie? Do you come together and you love the Lord Jesus? Or are the people around you, for some strange reason, they get into a bad spirit and 
It just seems like contention and strife. And all of that follows wherever you go. Let me ask you another question. You may fall out with somebody and the two of you disagree. That happened in the New Testament. Paul and Barnabas, they fell out with each other. They fell out with each other. They went their separate ways. But Paul did not do one thing to try to hurt Barnabas. And Barnabas did not do one thing to try to hurt Paul. When you try to hurt people, you got a spirit. Now you hear me real well. You hear me real well. I don't care how you babble. When you go after somebody to hurt that person, you've got a spirit. Yes, you do. You've got a spirit. So you judge a tree with the fruit it bears. I hope my fruit is good. I hope that I encourage your faith. I hope that you have a sense of, of, of fellowship in the place. I do. I, you know, I, I hope that with all my heart. I don't want to. I don't want to bust up the. You know, your, your your fellowship with each other. I don't have to have my way. Sometimes my way is not the right way. Sometimes I need to find out what right way is the right way. Who knows? You learn as you get older. You have to learn a lot of things before you can learn a lot of things. <laughs> Amen. I remember uh, his Secretary of Defense up there. He's been gone now. I forget, but he said this statement. He said, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> but I thought to myself, now that's really pretty deep when you think about what he just said. It really is. I mean, you don't know what exists until you don't know what exists to find out what doesn't exist. In plain words, you have to learn so much to get through the door before you can learn more. You learn by experience, and you build upon experience. Amen. That's the way studying the Bible is. You study the Bible. You learn people. You learn people. You learn them. I have to tell you this before I close this morning, and I know it's going to be sad for some of you. I know some of you men would like to go out in the woods and sit in a tree and hunt deer for the rest of your life. <laughs> or you'd like to go out on the bank of the river and throw a worm out and sit there, you know, or, or troll and get your boat or, or whatever. And some of you ladies would like to be turned loose in the biggest shopping mall and, and just turn loose in there for a week with $50,000 to spend and buy everything and anything you can find. But the truth of the matter is you've got to come down. And you know what you've got to do? You've got to look at people. Yeah, you do. You've got to deal with people. You say, what are they doing here anyway? People. You've got to deal with people. One of the greatest lessons we'll ever learn is to learn how to live with people. Amen. Live with them. Work with them. Deal with them. Come to, come to agreements. Get along with each other. Work together. That's not an easy thing because we see things differently. We understand things differently. But a sure mark of maturity on your part and my part and anyone else is the ability to work with each other. This church has great potential. God's blessing Temple. It's already, it's obvious. He's blessed me. He's blessing Temple. He's blessing the ministry online. And he, I'm greatly encouraged by the last meeting we had up here in the building. It, we're, we're preparing. We're, we're looking into the future. Packed, folks. Packed. Packed out. Packed with people. Excited about what they're going to do for the Lord. But here's the thing. It doesn't just happen. You got to make it work. You got to work with each other. You got to work through your problems. You have to. You have to try to understand the other person's point of view. And that's good. That's the way it ought to be. The Lord Jesus Christ told His disciples plainly. He said, "There are many more things I'd like to say to you, but I can't. You can't bear them yet. You can't bear them yet." Now I want to close with these scriptures because these are beautiful scriptures. Colossians three eleven. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarians, Scythian, 
bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. And the apostle again in Romans says, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Then the apostle says again, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrown or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. My, my, my. Christ is all, to him be glory forever. They all created for him, by him. And then the apostle in Timothy, to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.17 says this, Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And if you look at the antecedent to that, you'll look back and it'll be the Lord Jesus Christ. He's calling the only wise God. That's right. That's right. That's what that means. The antecedent means it's here, then it's referred to later on, back to here. So Christ is the only wise God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Do you know that one I'm talking about this morning? Bless his righteous name. You may know me, forget my name, never see me again. It's all right, because I can't save you. But don't ever forget the Lord Jesus Christ. But the truth of the matter is, if you've ever known him, you'll never forget him. Would you like to know him? He tasted death for every man. That's right. For you, for me, for all. Would you like to know him? Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Lord, I preached what you put on my heart. I've delivered my soul. I have peace now. I can go home and I can rest. We, we the messengers, you know, you know us. You know what we do. You know us. Once we're finished, we're at peace. Then we can sit down and we can rest. Then we begin to prepare again for another message. But our Father, I pray now for your word that's gone forth. It will not return void. It will accomplish that which you please. It will prosper in the thing where you've sent it. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Any hands go up tonight this morning and say, Preacher Lost, don't you pray for me? Pray for me because I'm not sure. God bless you. I'm not sure I know the Lord. That's okay. God bless you. Nobody's going to drag anybody to the altar. We don't do that around here now. I know a lot of time past folks would do stuff like that, well-meaning people. I'm not up here to, to run anybody down, but we don't do that. You have the Holy Ghost. If he can't get you down here, uh, then, uh, then it's, no good. it's not going to be good anyway. Anyone else, raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Just pray the Holy Spirit be able to speak to me, that I'll listen to him, that I'll soften my heart, that I know God's been dealing with me, God's been talking to me. He has. I've seen God's hand in my life. And I'm thankful that I know he's gracious, he's long-suffering, he's been with me. He stuck with me when I didn't deserve him sticking with me. But I'm not even sure if I know I'm saved. Well, that's the Lord, you see. That's why he does things like that. He makes a friend of you. He's a friend of sinners. A lot of times he'll become a close friend to you before you ever meet him as a savior. Just so you'll get, he'll get your attention. Anyone else? Raise your hand and say, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Father, thank you, Lord. These hands have gone up now, Lord. You know how they are. This is, this is a private thing between you and them, Lord. I know I'm privileged as a minister. I know, I can, I, I know I'm able to come into places that a lot of people can't. I know I can see things a lot of people don't. But God help me not to violate that. 
Father, I pray for these hands this morning. I pray for them. I pray for their souls. I pray, Heavenly Father, for their walk with thee. Bless them. Move in their soul. Move in their heart. And glorify yourself in their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, let's stand up. Victoria, Victoria's going to sing.